This podcast, number 807, with Alan Brown, is brought to you by Glenn Aparicio Perry, author of a new book entitled Original Politics, Making America Sacred Again. Please listen to Glenn and Greg as they talk about bringing energies of the past to the present to recreate a whole sacred America. It is a very informative and interesting interview on how Glenn speaks about dedicating the book to Native Americans and seven generations after. If you want to learn more about Glenn and his book Original Politics, please go to www.originalthinking.us to watch the book trailer. And now for a featured author, I hope you enjoy Greg's interview with Alan Brown about his book Dancing Through Life, Indulge Your Dreams and Pursue Life's Possibilities. Happy listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Alan, as I do when I come on these shows every time, it's really about thanking the people that follow me and that have for so many years, many of them faithful, faithful listeners. We appreciate you. We appreciate your comments. Uh, and joining me from Newport Beach is Alan T. Brown. And Alan has written a book called Dancing Through Life, Indulge Your Dreams and Pursue Life's Possibilities. And this is a Greenleaf book. It's a fascinating uh, little book. It's not a hard read. It's a very easy read. I'll just tell people that. And I'm going to encourage them to go to our blog and listen to that and go pick that book up at Amazon because we'll have a link to Amazon as well. Alan, good morning to you. How are you doing? Thank you. Doing extremely well. A little bit, as I often say, a little bit past perfect. There you go. I like that. You're a positive guy. And anybody who can write a book about dancing through life uh, and indulging your dreams and pursue your life's possibilities, it's you. And I'm going to let our listeners uh, know a little bit about you, okay, so that they can understand more about you. So he was born on a farm in Michigan over 80 years ago and destined for a humble life working the small plot of land that his family attended for generations. But instead of walking that path he had laid out before him, uh, he asked himself, wouldn't it be great if question and chose to pursue adventures, other adventures and possibilities. So he left the farm uh, and worked in freight hauling iron ore from Canada to Chicago, served in the army uh, with uh, older and wiser friends, encouraged him to go back to school. So he went back to the University of Michigan, began to see even broader possibilities. He then moved to Vail, Colorado, and became an entrepreneur. With a fr- when a friend encouraged him to open a commercial laundry, which is a great part about the book, um, and he did that. And it, believe me, that story it was not easy for him to get that business started over time, step by step, and opportunities. He ended up owning a sizable real estate portfolio, all told, it turned uh, $12 that he had when he left the farm into $30 million. And each step along the path, the countless ones in between presented new challenges, but he always believed he could accomplish anything, no matter how impossible it seemed uh, to anyone else. He never stopped learning and growing, and, and he'll never be finished doing that. 
Um, Alan has got an interesting bio, and I encourage everyone uh, to go up to his website. And the website is easy. It's Alan T. Brown, Alan Thomas Brown, I'm sorry, Alan Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, brown.com. Great website for the book. Now, Alan, you know, you wrote this book. You're in your 80s. Um, you waited a while to write a book, but you had something to say. I really, really got that about this book. This book was, you know, not only your life's journey, but you really are trying to help people. And your intention, I believe, is to help people. Um, what is it that you believe the listeners can learn from your book uh, about your lessons in life if you were to, to distill it down that's so important? Well, I and I look back many times. I re-read, re-read my book several times trying to better understand Alan. Uh, it's a, quite not interesting, but it's amazing what he has done. And I believe when I was just a little kid, I was helping my neighbor move his cattle out of my grandparents' field. And he said to me, never be afraid to ask a question. Mm-hmm. And that is something that has stuck with me. And so I've expanded that over into curiosity be curious, be nosy. Sometimes you ask questions and you might embarrass someone, but a good lawyer, a good lawyer is always asking questions. And so I think that's something we can make part of our life, be inquisitive, be nosy, and realize that I'm looking at some of my papers here. And I can, one of the comments I have at the top, if of my paper here is just to help to remind me for this discussion is that in bright bold letters I have typed you can do the impossible. Mhm. Well, that's and what I, you that's what you state yeah, in the book. Well, that's and that is what as I look back through I've done the impossible so many times. It's just it was hard for me to imagine that those things were classified as impossible. I thought that was just a normal day's life to do what I was doing. And then people later would say, that's impossible. You can't do that. You didn't do that. And yet you can. And I think maybe that that leads to the next big word we need, confidence. Mm -hmm. Confidence. There's no way you have to feed your confidence every day. And then you can do that through affirmations, daily affirmations. I repeat millions of times every day in every way I'm getting better and better. And I have to do that to support myself because society kind of always wants to seem to take a piece out of you. <laughs> yeah. There, you know, when you're up flying in the sky, they want to pull you down. There's so much negativity, and we have to combat that. And that well, is that's... our responsibility to be strong, be positive, and to believe. Believe, believe, believe that you can do the impossible. 
Well, you're a guy that yeah. has, you know, and you ask the readers to listen to the beat of their own heart and to follow it. And what I would say is, Alan, what advice for those listeners that are listening today, uh, they're going to listen to this podcast, uh, do you have about following your heart and not being so afraid of what might happen? Um, I think the ego gets in the way frequently. And it, it, no matter where it came from, if you had parents that told you to follow a path, which they told you to do the same thing, but you didn't, um, you went out and decided to do something completely different. You wanted to beat to the, you wanted to uh, run to the beat of your own drummer, as they said, right? Um, what would you advise people about that? Um, just getting, removing that fear and that negative self-talk that, that we were just talking about. Well, I think, and that's where daily affirmations to give you confidence, 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 confidence to help you do what you know within you, you can do. Your little voices tell you you can do it, but your little voices also tell you you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You have to override the negative, and that's a daily battle, overriding yeah. the negative. And yeah. eating yourself, eating good food, and also a thing that I have learned a long time ago, or it's one of my philosophies, if I go out to eat, lunch or dinner or breakfast, and I'm alone, I always have a book. Wow, because, that's great. Because you can yeah, read the, while you're waiting for the food to be served, and then you can read afterwards, you know? And, you know, you exemplify this with a great little story. I, 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 I read this and I about fell off my chair. You tell a great story to exemplify this point, to follow your heart or follow your gut even. And it was a story about you being at the base of Everest. And I'd love for you to tell this story about this young gentleman who was with you and was determined to kind of like move on in spite of what was going on. Um, uh, what, how would people, you know, get into their internal compass, so to speak, which this guy wasn't at the time? Well, and that's certainly the universal challenge that will always be with you. But I think that's where meditation comes in. You have to quiet. There's so much chatter in the world that you have to get in a quiet place. I love my quiet time. I come home and sit down in a couple, I have a couple of favorite chairs, and I just sit there and kind of listen. I listen to what's going on in my mind and to see, you know, and erase the negatives and squash. You, got to, you can't erase them. And I guess maybe that's the bad word. You cannot erase the negatives. You have to just kind of override them with positive. Um, and I think that's maybe the most important thing is to just to believe. And I told my ladies in the commercial laundry, and I had two buildings, um, and I would tell them, if it's impossible, you fix it. And I emphasize that over and over. We'd have meetings once in a while, and that was always my sales pitch. If it's impossible, you fix it. So these are ranch wives and wives, 
And so they kind of developed that mindset. And I had two buildings, one for sheets, one for towels. And those ladies, so I gave them total freedom because I didn't know anything about the business. <laughs> I have some nothing. So I let them do it what the way that they thought was the most efficient. The normal labor cost in a commercial laundry at the time was 60%. My ladies took my labor cost down to 30%. Why? Because they had the freedom to do what they knew was the best way to do it. Yeah, you and gave them is- autonomy. You gave people autonomy that worked for you, which was great. You let them make decisions on their own. Well, right? yeah, I, I'm not sure just how I developed that. But in the end, uh, I would tell the ladies, if it's impossible, you do it. But yeah. if it's so far past possible, then call me and I'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. My motto was that even though I'm in a business I know nothing about, if I – now, i got to bring this in now. This is important spiritual advisors. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of conversations with my spiritual advisors. Oh, they were in many ways. When I look back at the book, I, and I want you, when you read it, to look for this many times I brought up the spiritual advisors Mm -hmm. and for, I would have conversations with them just like I'm having a conversation with you. They were, to me, they were real. They were right there. And they would give me, not they wouldn't give me, they would kind of do it. If I had a problem, they would say, Alan, just step back. We'll take care of it for you. Don't worry about it. Just go and do what you're doing. So well, that's the, that, that's the part where you talk about your intuition. But I mean, spiritual advisors, I totally believe my, my master's degree is in spiritual psychology. So I, I know about whether you can discern from it being the voice of spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, whatever my listeners are calling that today, uh, intuition, because frequently that intuition comes in that way. The best business people in the world, as you know, Alan, are following their intuition, right? Um, yes, definitely. And they're hearing it. They're hearing a voice or they're getting a feeling, right? Because you get these uh, symbols and signs in different ways. You see birds, you see signs, you see things. And if you're aware of what's going on in nature, you're being surrounded by symbols that are giving you directions all the time. Right. Right. That is in, like you say, symbols. And sometimes we're not educated to listen or stop and see, you know, learning to see, that symbol, that little cue, that idea. And I felt that was another very important step in my life that I wanted to learn to see. Mm-hmm. And I then bought a camera and I actually published a book on black oh. and white p- photography. But it's really my goal was to learning to see. Right. And that takes me over to Leo Hargrave, who really was my my real angel. But we would go through the country, and when we'd look at something, and we'd ask the other, what is that? Well, I don't know. It's just, you know, I don't know either. But So let's just put a price on it. You think we could buy it, maybe. 
but his whole life lived with the question, what is it? What is it? Because what you see is not what is there. So that's another important life of what is it? Just keep asking. And now the answer, I'm going to throw this answer out. This is a big answer. Leo Hargrave, a plumber, 12th grade education, Denver, Colorado, taught me this. What is it? The answer is, it is whatever you want it it to be. Right. Right. That is so huge. That means you were taking charge. You were stepping up and saying, I will make the decision. What is it? Not the government, not anyone else. You, you will make the decision. Is it positive or negative? Can I build a million of them and sell them? You're the one that's driving the ship. Right. Accept the responsibility. So now you, you state that besides figuring out your own inner beat, which we just talked about, that the most important thing you can do in life is to step out of your comfort zone and get out on the dance floor. Um, and you're obviously a national champion dance uh, guy. You've been doing that for a long time. What advice would you have for our listeners about stepping out of their comfort zone? So many people get in that comfort zone and you've been out of your comfort zone so much. Yeah. And I, let me sure I have now, let me tell you the first instance when for some reason I was going to work on the freighter on a big ore freighter. So climbing up that ladder it was died up at, it was in Detroit, Michigan. You had to climb up the big ladder because it was, everything was all iced in. Climbing up that ladder and I looked back down and realized it was just those, the end of that ladder legs that was the only thing attaching me to the earth. And I climbed aboard that ship and I stayed there for nine months working on the ship. And it kind of made something special in my life of really realizing all my history, my parents, my neighbors, everything I had learned previously, I was walking away from. It was only connected by those two little legs, and I soon stepped over the railing of the ship. So now I'm a new, not a new person. I didn't understand any of that, but now I realize that I am responsible for my life. I was only 17 years old, but I was responsible. I couldn't blame it onto anyone else. Mm-hmm. But that was a separation of my previous life to the new life that I, Alan Brown, was going to develop. And right. again, I think my spiritual vices were there guiding me and holding my hand. <laughs> well, you know, you everybody, one of the lessons people need to learn, and I think most of my listeners know it, we're 100% responsible for our own actions. Um, nobody else. You can't go out and blame other people um, for whatever happens to you, okay? Um, so whatever circumstances you get into, you're the kind of guy that got yourself out. You mentioned that sometimes we will take risks and we're going to fail. And that's true. Not all of our ventures are going to be a hundred percent positive, but what would you want to tell people to, to see in the failures 
because you say it's expanding the bandwidth of knowledge. And can you tell the story about one of your failures and how it expanded your knowledge? Okay. And then, well, and the first thing is a failure. That's just the terminology been applied because the real it's a learning lesson. How about that? Yeah, we'll it's a learning. Terminology. It's going to school. You're getting a doctor's degree. You're getting a master of philosophy right, right. when you fail. So actually, and in um, thou and I, so I have this written on my, up here on my corner. This is it says Zen is all about taking risk. For in Zen, we constantly walk into the unknown. Mm -hmm. And then that is, boy, when you have to live with that, you if you take that as your philosophy, you're going to walking into the unknown. And so for sure, you're going to get knocked down a few times. And and I was talking to my neighbor here who, who builds uh, medical equipment. And we talk about the and I was talking to the little girls, and the only time you fail is when you don't get up. Right. If right. you get up, then you are a winner, and then you just go on. And then I assure you, with confidence, with faith, talking to your spiritual advisors a little bit, you will find a solution. Well, and, I love the fact that you've added the spiritual advisors to this because it is so important. And you know, you, you speak to them a lot. Like you said, you come home, you get in your easy chair, you meditate, uh, you ask for advice, you follow the guidance and you haven't been afraid to follow the guidance. Um, so you have deep spiritual belief. Um, Buddha always said there's suffering and then there's the end of suffering. And the end of suffering comes when you choose to have that as part of a change in your mindset, right? Um, yeah, you have mindset, a, yeah. Yeah, you haven't gone your life, Alan, without suffering, right? Oh, no, I just, you know, I, and then when I was, one, another reason I maybe started the commercial laundry, my wife, my beautiful, beautiful, beautiful French wife was dying of cancer. That was so traumatic, and it's still traumatic today. And I had to have that laundry to be able to work in the laundry you know, if I had to work 18 hours, that's okay. Because mm -hmm. then I didn't have to think. Right. I worked to fatigue seven days a week through the winter. Uh, so how do you handle that suffering? I really don't know. I cried a lot. But you realize that you have to go on. And you, if you kind of looked at it, and that's tough to do, think it's a learning experience. Yeah, Every but the main thing you, you did is you shifted your perspective about death. And I think, you know, look, when when you looked at your French wife dying and you worked 18 hours, it gives you a lot of time to contemplate, you know, uh, the finality or finitude, as they say, of things. Look, none of us well, is getting out of here alive, right, Alan? So yeah, you, no. you have to look at, at someone your age, anybody's age, depending on your spiritual beliefs. Um, let's have a heart to heart here. Uh, you, you need to have a belief in something greater than you, in my perspective. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. 
and I I taught Sunday school when I was just a little kid. Right. <laughs> but getting that I want to we do have to mention this about in dancing and why I love dancing, or one of the many reasons I love dancing is if you want to be improve, you have to accept the fact you have to pay the price of learning. Mm-hmm. That means repetition, that means sore muscles. But you, you, I think learning to pay the price and willing to pay the price, long distance runners, anyone who strives to be their best, to do their best, has to pay the price. And in dancing, my God, it just, it's awesome. Because every day you, you, if you're not improving, and I do see people who don't improve and they soon fade away. They're out there just being, they want to have a great teacher teaching them, but they really, they just want the entertainment, the, the, the good pleasure of dancing to music. But if your mindset is to improve, expect to have you'll be hurt because you think my god i just learned this last week week and now you're teaching me something different right and they say yes and you have to learn to forget maybe that's all i can say you have to learn to forget what you learned yesterday because tomorrow it's different well that's a it's a good uh opportunity for people to use the dancing analogy because it's not a matter of forget. It's still in your memory. And oh, yes. It's, it's amazing yeah. how it comes back. It's this that you have to add something, another step to it or another another part of it so that it becomes one integral, beautiful, weaved uh, tapestry. And you're constantly weaving your own tapestry. And one of the ways that you did this is as you said earlier, you were you're avid with um, uh, reading affirmations, meditation, listening to spirit guides. You have a great story you tell about the realization when you were reading and rereading Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Now, Don Green, the executive director of Napoleon Hill, has been on my show probably seven, eight, nine times, and uh, he actually knew Napoleon Hill. He's in his 80s as well. And he phenomenal man and all the new books that come out that Napoleon Hill Foundation does, Don brings onto the show. What did you learn from Napoleon Hill's great book and how did you apply it in your life? Because it was around the word think. That was a key thing in your book. It was yeah. think and grow rich. <laughs> it wasn't work hard and grow rich. <laughs> You're <that>. right. <laughs> Yeah, and I would just like to include one comment before we switch to Think Roche is you have to understand that all those failures, when you're learning to dance or if you're in business, all those failures are building a foundation for you to grow bigger and higher and stronger. So think of a failure as building foundation. Those pyramids were huge on the bottom and they had a lot of failures obviously but they yeah. learned how to build pyramids. Well, so, let's let's replace failure with the word learning lessons. You have a pile of learning lessons that you're building on, but all of those lessons build yeah, a strong yeah. foundation for you how 
not to do something. You know, when you ask questions, it's like, okay, I want to find out the the path of least resistance about what not to do. And sometimes when you get mentors, you're really not only learning about what to do, but what not to do. Yeah. And then, but okay. Yeah. So then, but then let me tell you a little bit about how, you know, you mentioned it already about the book, Think and Grow Rich. And so right. I, I read that. I was selling encyclopedias with my college degree in Kansas or something for Cutco Cutler. And I saw this book in a drugstore. I saw it and bought it. Now, I was probably directed. We could say, look back now, say I was directed to that book and bought it. So I started reading it and realizing my sales are going up. I don't know what I was doing about sales, but it was it was already beginning to change my mind. And I read it over and over, and I kept wearing them out because it was, you know, it was a book I slept with under my pillow. Because, and then one day I picked it up and looked at it, and it says think. And as you know from reading my book, I, that was a catastrophe for me because everything my parents had taught me my neighbors had taught me that I had been indoctrinated to believe that you must work hard to gain wealth, to gain freedom. And then I saw that word think. And I looked and looked and looked and looked and couldn't believe where was that word for the last two years that I was reading this book? Where was that word hiding? And so then it was a very traumatic experience for me to realize what I had been taught, work hard, you'll become wealthy. And now I'm replacing that with think. So I'm going from the physical to the mental. Right. Now that's a big leap. That's a big step. Yeah, it is. That's not, yeah. To well, you know, your mind. you, you set goals in your laundry business and, um, you talk about goal setting in the the book and what would you tell the listeners um, about and, and what they need to understand, I should say more importantly about not just goals, but proximal goals. As I see pe- people that'll set these big lofty goals, but they don't do the steps before it. And then they wonder why they don't reach it because they haven't looked at the smaller steps that have to happen before they reach the big, big, big yeah, goal. Yeah, they haven't had enough failures. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So what would you, what advice would you give about goal setting? I mean, obviously you are a goal setter. Well, yeah, and I cannot imagine a life without a goal. And yet I know many people that have no goal and I couldn't go I couldn't live through today without a goal. It just, it nourished me. In fact, when I get through here, I will get up and practice from my dance lesson that I had yesterday because one of my dance teachers called me and said, Alan, are you practicing? So you surround yourself by people who want you to be better and keep practice repetition. I hate repetition, but now I'm learning to love it. So setting a goal is just, you got to fantasize. And here's what I used to do. I'd keep a notebook 
and write down my goals on the front pages, maybe two goals for a page. In the last five or six pages, I wrote down the crazy goals, the stupid goals, the ignoramuses. I think that's what the title is, the ignoramuses. I would keep a paper clip on it so no one could see those because I'm sure they would put me in a nut house if they <laughs> saw those goals. But they were goals. And I cannot believe that after well, those goals that were crazy, ignoramus, stupid, impossible, they became normal. I just they've just they all accomplished. And that's where my spiritual advisors, I think, they said, Okay, don't add. Alan, we see, we can read those in your books. We'll take care of them for you. Don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> but just set a goal and have the courage to pursue it and think about it. And then then seek people. You have to find people right. who will support you. That is so crucial. Well, and, and you know, I, isn't there something about setting a goal and surrendering the goal? I don't know. I don't mean giving up. I mean, surrendering the goal because there's so many great energies at work when you let them go to work for you that are helping you to attain your goals. I think people think of goal setting as, oh, this is drudgery. Oh my God, I got to set a goal and now I've got to do this and I got to do that. I got to do that. What you have to do is set the goal, put it in consciousness, find the right people as you're saying. And allow those spirit guides and all those other people to direct you to reach that goal. And you don't always get there in the path that you expect. Isn't that right, Alan? doesn't always take the path that you expect. Well, I don't know. And you, you understand it probably better than I do of, of what, you know, what does the, there's something that changes in your mind. I think that's, thing I'd like to bring in now that you set a goal and you think about it and your mind changes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a magician. Your mind is a magician that you, you think, well, no, I can't think about this. It's impossible. I'll write this in the back of the book. But you, once you've written it down, and I think there's some importance in that, that written word, that written goal. Jesus, uh, I have books and books and notebooks full of dance notes. And I'm realize I cannot fathom that I will be taking the lesson and I will not understand. But by writing it down, eventually it comes back. It might take a year or two. I have one I'm working now. Finally, after 10 years, I'm understanding the goal that was presented to me 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so- well, you know, it's, it's a really great story you're saying is because you, you've written these down in books and you're going back and you're looking at them. Um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the movie, but you probably saw it at the young gentleman who climbed El Capitan in Yosemite without any ropes. Right. Three hours and 26 minutes, zero ropes, nothing to hold him, just him. And the interesting thing, if people looked at that very closely, is every place he put his hand, every place he put his foot, he recorded on a notebook and memorized it. Okay, because his life was at stake. 
Now, people said he was crazy to do it. But my point was, is just like you, you've written all this down and you've put all the steps down, right? And you're making those part of your memory, right? You're, yes, you're saying, they're kind of in a hidden part of your memory. You don't yeah. realize that you've learned it. And that's why I re- reread my own book three times now. Yeah. I'd written things down, did them. And well, and here's another impossibility. A, a friend of mine uh, talked me, didn't talk me. It was very difficult. Talked me into buy, buying some stock, particular, a particular stock that I had owned some before and sold it. And he, we're playing golf. And I tended to only take counsel from people who did not sit at a desk. And Vic Flegler didn't sit at a desk. But he said, buy some of this stock, $100,000 worth. You know, that he has to think in those terms. So I asked him while I'm playing golf, I said, okay, Vic, how much do you have invested in this company? He said, well, I got $1.3 million. So that night, I thought, if he's got $1.3 million, I can gamble 100000 mm-hmm. So I bought 100000 Okay, then this is the impossible. That $100,000 stock, each year, I would write out to the Boys and Girls Club a $100,000 check. I because did that this, for 10 years. Because the stock was virtually making, like he said, 100000 a year off what you're doing. So you gave all the earnings away. Right? right? And so yeah. That takes you to the story of Jesus feeding the multitudes what with two fish and a loaf of bread yeah yeah well i want so to acknowledge the- you for your generosity and your support of the boys and girls club uh i know for many years i was on the ymca board 23 years and i know what it means to actually support organizations like that that are supporting kids and i just want to uh, acknowledge you and thank you for doing that because the service that people like yourself do and people like I did for years to help children and then families that are in need is really important. And that's what the boys and girls club does. Now, Alan, I'd like to wrap up our interview with a really important question. You know, you've been a very wise businessman with tremendous success throughout your life. You took your $12, you turned it into 30 million. You've given money to philanthropy. You're a great dancer. You did all these things. My listeners out there are like, wow, this guy is Superman probably by now. They're saying he's Superman. What advice do you have for our listeners who might be interested in either starting a new business or venturing out on their own in a business or at least changing some trajectory in their life? What advice would you give them? Well, I might start them out and start myself out. If I, if I saw an interesting venture, I would try to get a job working for it, working for them and understand it better. And then I would be be working on that job just as by the hourly wage or two bucks an hour. I didn't care, but I would be learning the business and I would be learning to think, what are the weak spots? What could be improved? So if I had this business, what would I do to improve it? So, but by working and just doing that, the daily stuff, washing windows or whatever, I didn't care. I just wanted to be close to the business to understand it. 
and th- so you don't have to start at the top. Start at the bottom and study mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. make notes. And then the, then you're building a foundation. And a good friend of mine, Paul Carell, he buys businesses like that. He studies the paperwork, looks for the flaw in the business. And if it's for sale and he knows he can fix that flaw, he buys the business. Just that simple. Yeah. He's, you know, it's looking for the weak spots in whatever you're doing. And if there's something you'd like to do and say, well, what is this product not doing that it could do and should do? And there are so many. It's amazing. And just my neighbor here, I live in an RV park. Now I sold all my million dollar homes and I'm so happy here, close to the airport and close to the water. Yeah. And so he builds medical equipment. And I first met them, oh, like five years ago. Uh, but he builds medical equipment. I said, well, is there many changes going on? He says, it is a hundred mile an hour change, yes. Yes. improvement, improvement. So all you have to do is tap, I think, in some area that you like to do, but you see some deficits in it. And you maybe start washing windows, but then pretty soon you say, okay, I'm going to buy this business. Or you start a new business, just filling the deficit. I, I, tend I like to, that I advice. Myself, that's yeah, that's I great spend, advice. I know. Just I spend most of my time here at the RV park talking to people who own their own business. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's an interesting group of people. Well, that plus they're learning they're learning growth. they're learning from you. That's important. You're talking, you're asking questions, and as you ask questions, it gets them thinking about what might be do, they're doing right or they're doing wrong. You don't frequently have to actually give advice even. All you have to do is ask questions because internally with inside of people, they know. They just need to, it just needs to be brought to their awareness. And once it's brought to their awareness by somebody like yourself who's good at asking questions, because you said that's what you've done all your life. You, one of the things is, is you got to ask questions. You can't be afraid. When you were a kid in school, you didn't want to ask questions. But then when you learned how to ask questions, look what happened, right? Oh, I know. It's so effective to ask questions. They are so powerful. Yes. And where I really learned the power of them, you go, I go in some place and I'm borrowing money to buy a building or something, and the, the banker is sitting there at his nice, beautiful desk, and the first thing he does is ask me, well, how much do I need? And after a while, to gain control of the conversation, I said, how much do you have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that okay. threw him off, I'm sure. Yeah. I know because he knows that he doesn't know. Now he knows that I know that he doesn't know. So who's driving the boat now? You are. I am. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, great advice, so, Alan. I appreciate you having on the having you on the show today. I know for my listeners that we are going to direct them. Uh, to your website. And again, I'm going to repeat that. Go to Alan, A-L-L-E-N, Thomas, brown.com. That's the book website. We're going to have a link to the book's uh, uh, Amazon page so that you can get it there. Um, And you can also at at, uh, Alan's website, you can see 
Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Indie Books, and Books a Million. Those are places where you can pick the book up as well. Uh, Alan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, spending a few minutes with our listeners, telling them not only about your history, but your life lessons and how those lessons have really helped you, um, you know, build the philosophy that you've had that's made you the man that you are. I want to thank you for being on the show today and spending some time with us and wish you all the best in all your philanthropic activities and your dancing and what you're doing. Thanks so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.